Welcome to the Moving Forward Podcast. This is your host, Corey Cottrell. And of course, we got my, uh, my, my dear friend, Rio Verdinier. Hey, guys. He just smirked because he knows I still want to kick him in the dick. Uh, and uh, we've got uh, uh, our longtime friend, AJ, uh, and his uh, friend, uh, I'm going to butcher this. Is it Codrin? How do you say that? Codrin. It's pretty close. It's Codrin. Codrin. Oh, it's just Although like, he's introduced what, what? on the show is Cody. Yeah, Codrin. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just cool. Though. I'm going to use Cody. <laughs> No, every please do it's fine okay like codrin sounds like and and again this is something that that we are uh for for those of you that have been missing the uh, the videos on patreon uh, i am gonna get back to loading those back up there and then you'll be able to see what's behind codrin because that is his star wars name he fucking earned it <laughs> um, and that that is absolutely uh uh entirely uh uh meant in the best possible way um, I was showing him my, uh, my Boba Fett helmet a couple seconds ago because, uh, you know, I'm a 45-year-old child. So anyway, uh, they are now co-hosting the uh, uh, Pragmatic Progressive show, which is what uh, uh, AJ started and we've had him on talking about uh, for a long time. Um, we were talking a little bit off air and uh, I just decided to kind of, you know, I, I definitely want to hear about what you guys are doing with, uh, with the show uh, and we'll maybe go over some of the, the more recent news. Now, the second that that Rio suggested, hey, we'll just talk about current events. I'm like, well, which which three or four out of the 500 that have happened in the last 48 hours? Uh, so this will, of course, not be an exhaustive list, but off the top of of my head, uh, and probably explaining why I, I knee jerk want to kick basically 60 percent of people in the dick all the time. Um, the pandemic is still on. Half the country is pretending that it's a political hoax. Um, a bunch of people want to wear masks because it's the right thing to do. Um, and every idiot on the face of the earth is identifying themselves now by being too cool to wear masks, uh, which is fantastic. It's become sort of this, this really odd. Looking uh, at you, Joe Rogan. Yeah, fuck, yeah. fucking seriously. That, anyway. So, that Joe Rogan. Masks are like for bitches? Seriously? I seriously just, uh, uh, I, like, I turned Joe Rogan off for a long time. He's why I got into podcasting in the first place. He's been off for a long time. It, it, like, as far as like my podcast ro- roster, I listened to a couple of the last week, and I'm seriously like, just that's a whole other topic I, we can get into. Holy I, fuck. I, I know you're, I know yeah. you're getting into your rhythm, Corey, but I got to say this: I saw a really funny joke on Twitter last night that I actually retweeted. Go on. And it was basically if Trump is a poor person's idea of a rich person, Rogan is a moron's idea of a smart person. <laughs> I, I think sad. Yeah, this is really sad. I think that's true. Um, I never thought he was that bright. I enjoyed his I mean, show because he had cool guests on. You know what I, I mean? And I, I think actually being like below average intelligence makes it interesting for a lot of people because, for example, when he had Yang on, he asked him all of these stupid questions that you and I wouldn't ask him because we are informed. We wouldn't think to ask them, right? But he asked them because he's not, right? But the, the thing to keep in mind is that most listeners, even of, a, well, maybe not of our podcast, but most listeners of Rogan, Rogan's podcast, for sure, wouldn't have known the answers to those questions. Right. right like that. Yeah. So it, it's sort of like, you so know. So it's actually, he's actually doing an important service, but you can, you can be doing right. good work. I mean, honestly, like you could be an awesome, good, decent person and just not be, have high intelligence just isn't one of your qualities. It's Okay. Yeah, but I also think Rogan appeals to a certain demographic because of that. He, to me, has always felt like someone who identifies thoughts as something that inherently makes him smart, as if having any sort of long-form thing to say means it's credible. And that's a dangerous territory when you're someone who platforms a bunch of people because 
my opinion think- on Logan has shifted over time in the sense that his platform was meant to be someone where he just didn't push back against anything. And it was more him propping up various characters, which sometimes it was a good thing, right? For what, for example, when it was someone like David Pakman or Andrew Yang, but then it gets into people who delve more into alt-right territory and he's still not pushing back enough. And the defense is a cop out of, well, that's just how my show is. When in reality, it's legitimizing a specific platform and treating it as an equal process of the debate when in reality what we need is to push back as much as possible against those toxic ideologies. Yeah, I yeah. want to let Corey finish his introduction, but I have to agree, AJ. Although, I mean, you know, the ability to have a conversation for two hours on any topic already puts him above a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. Corey, let's give it, give it, give us, hit us over the head with some more news. Um, yeah, I'm fucking stuck on the Rogan thing now, which is really sad. I, it's not intentional. He's well, talk- weigh in. He's, he's just operating from uh, 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 an oversimplified principle that has worked, which is really, you know, an indictment of all of the rest of us, right? Like it's, it's, it's working because there's distrust in the system, because there's, you know, all this anti-establishment uh, sentiment. And so everybody's just looking for, uh, I, I do like what you said, like the, the, uh, AJ, as far as like, you know, if you can have, if you can string a long form sentence together, that makes you smart. <laughs> like, ah, well, anyway. So, as far as the the, uh, the, the new stuff is, is concerned, um, you know, I was on the pandemic a little bit. A bunch of states are hitting record numbers. We're just entering the knee of the curve nationally on what is going to be a, a wave that is 10 to 20 times larger than, than what we just experienced. Nothing in the data suggests that that's not the case. And today uh, is when they're going to have the, uh, the plague in, in Tulsa, just put everybody in a room, have them all screaming and chanting to the Fuhrer, uh, which uh, is exactly like if you were to design something that was a Christmas present to a virus, this would be it. So that's, that's interesting. Uh, minutes ago, less than an hour ago, they arrested a, a white lady for wearing an I Can't Breathe shirt. Uh, in, in that event, she had a ticket. She was allowed to be there. Cops dragged her out for the shirt that she was wearing, which is interesting. Um, and of course, they didn't beat the shit out of her because she's white. Which, which, is, which is nice. Um, so anyway, all that stuff happened. SDNY last night. And again, this is something we're talking about here. I think this is going to become pivotal over the next, you know, four to, to, to six weeks. Um, Bill Barr, lying piece of shit, just in case you were not sure of his full title, uh, of course, is the, the current attorney general of the United States appointed by the Fuhrer, uh, decided to, in a press release, uh, fire the uh, uh the the attorney general the not attorney general the uh prosecutor whatever the fuck his name is at uh, uh sdny um who was actually and this is interesting he's a trump appointee right trump donor um but got to sdny where it's probably piles and piles and piles of holy fuck trump is a fucking criminal documents right um and starts running investigations in exactly the way you would kind of want a nonpartisan person to do it, right? Like gets into this place where rule of law is supposed to be and starts acting like he's supposed to act in his job, uh, which of course is not how any of this is supposed to work anymore. So they started threatening him. They started trying to get him out of there and he just, you know, patently refused. So Bill Barr basically, you know, uh, uh, fires him by tweet, uh, except in a press release, right? Says he's going to replace him. Um, and of course this is the, uh, the, Friday night massacre, the, the Friday night news dump, um, where they're basically trying to have us not uh, uh, 
know that it happened. And within an hour or two, the actual guy says, yeah, no, I'm not going to leave. I, I was, uh, you know, appointed in interim. I have not been confirmed. The only person that can uh, uh, replace me is a Senate-confirmed uh, 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 president-appointed candidate, right? So he's basically like roping the entire Senate into this intelligently and basically saying, I'm not going to go. And the biggest thing is there, and people have been saying there might be something to do with Giuliani. Fuck all that shit. This has everything to do with Donald Trump. They've got his tax returns in that building. They've got every single financial document, uh, 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 you know, from his work with Deutsche Bank and probable money laundering with Russians to everything else, right? They've got everything uh, uh, um, that anyone has very likely in that, in that building. And they're, so they're trying to shut that investigation down uh, before it has uh, uh, the capacity to do any damage for the election. Interestingly enough, the guy they were uh, trying to slide into this job was only going to be there for a six-month term. Um, even better, he's not. He has no prosecutorial experience. He's, yeah, he's the head of the SEC. Like, yes. yeah, no, yeah. The only, the only, and the only. Well, not the only, but some of the lawyering that he did was for a bank. Guess which bank? Fucking Deutsche Bank. Like, you can't even make this shit up, right? Like, just you know, it. It's like, it's not even the mob because the mob's like kind of smart a lot of the time. This is just yeah. like a bunch of dummies that were just handed power. Yeah, so it's like in the mob, like if you leave the mob, they, they get you. In the Trump administration, apparently if you leave, you get like a book deal and then the New York Times criticizes it. Or Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like you leave and what really happens is you get tweets that are very, very mean uh, from... Uh, well, it, it, and it is really telling that these are people who supported Trump, who Trump appointed, <laughs> who, are, who are turning on him left and right, right? I mean, absolutely. Like Bolton, right, was... was was Trump's choice. And now his book is spilling the beans on the fact that, I mean, and these are, this is all not verbatim. This is paraphrasing Bolton. Bolton is saying, you know, that Ukraine thing that they were um, investigating for impeachment purposes, like that was impeachment malpractice. I believe he used that exact phrase because he said like Trump's entire foreign policy was all stuff like the Ukraine thing. He apparently has asked Xi Jinping in China to also help him get reelected. He's, he's asked Erdogan in Turkey to help him get reelected. And he's done it in front of people like Bolton, who's now written a book about it. I mean, the, something to keep in mind about human psychology is that, I don't know if you've ever known people like this because that's, they're pretty shady and most of us try to avoid them, but there are people, you'll meet them in real life sometimes, who are constantly, I mean, unless they're clinically paranoid, right? Which is a, a different thing. But if, if they're otherwise normal, and they're constantly accusing of everybody around them of nefarious acts, right? They're always treating everybody with suspicion, kind of like how Trump accused everybody on, in the Republican Party he ran against of being crooked. You know, Romney is apparently crooked now, right? Everybody's crooked, right? John McCain, who's like the most unimpeachable person in the Republican Party, whatever you think about his policies, was crooked. Everybody's crooked to Trump. People like that are projecting. They always are crooks is because they see the world through the lens of a crook it's that simple i mean trump if he is going to cheat to get reelected, because if he doesn't get reelected, he absolutely is going to be in a, in a whole bunch of legal trouble so he has this is survival for him he will cheat. We know he has cheated. We just don't know. We, we don't know what China and, and Turkey and Russia agreed to do, if anything. Um, but it's going to happen, whatever it is. So, you know, like, and, and AJ, I want to say something you said about Rogan. 
um, yeah, you're right. He, he benefits from the anti-establishment kind of populist, general populist um, feeling out there, right? And so I think people who are to the left of Rogan ought to take that into consideration and think about how when you, when you equate, you know, what, it's okay to criticize Joe Biden, but when you try to make it sound like Joe Biden is just as corrupt as, as Trump, which I know you guys don't personally do, but I'm just saying like a lot of progressives do that, that's actually helping the alt-right. No, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. And I, I think it, it is frustrating because I think that there are definitely criticisms to be had, but in terms of like uh, uh, making like a, a case for what's the best thing to do for electoralism, I think that even if you're uh, like a pretty hardcore communist, I can't see a, a, a case for really like hitting hard against Joe Biden because like at that point, like if you, you really do consider these are both just manifestations of capitalism, you have to ask yourself, okay, where is it easier for me to fight capitalism? Is it easier to fight capitalism under a mildly ineffectual Joe Biden administration or is it easier to fight capitalism under a, a blossoming fascist dictatorship. I mean, like, do you know what fascists do to, to communists? They put them in fucking concentration camps. So it's, it, it even if you're coming at it from that perspective, I don't see a, a good case a, against voting Biden. You know, yeah, and, I, my, my alt-right friend <laughs> who we had on the podcast in an episode called something like, what was it? It was uh, dime store Republican. A, Did we change the name yet? <laughs> smart. I think we called it a smart Republican. Yeah, I swear <laughs> to fuck. I'm changing the name of that podcast episode. <laughs> no, but like that was, a, I said, okay, we're moving on from that. Great. Um, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> you didn't want to have me on a podcast when I did warn you that my anger is like nine. It's important so to understand the enemy, it. right? It's important to understand the enemy. And he has flat out told me that if I have to choose between authoritarian capitalism and authoritarian communism, I want authoritarian capitalism. And so I have to say, like, as somebody who wants capitalism, but not of the authoritarian kind, right? Um, what you just said, Cody, is absolutely correct. That's, a, that's, that's exactly what the situation is. There are some people who are so afraid of communism, even more than me, apparently, that they're willing to give up their own freedoms in order to make sure that we don't have it, right? Which to me seems a little like backwards because the reason I don't want communism is because I, I personally think, we don't have to get into this, that there's no such thing as non-authoritarian communism. I don't think it actually works. I don't like authoritarianism, <laughs> you know? But like, make no mistake, there are Trump supporters who explicitly want, they won't, they won't admit it unless they're in private with somebody that they, that's a friend of theirs or who they think is on their side, which is what happened with me, but they actively want authoritarian capitalism because they think it's the only way to stop the inevitability of communism. And what's funny about that is it means they actually agree with the communists who believe that and capitalism can't survive without, without that. How fucking dumb do well, you have to be? to believe a statement that has authoritarian and capitalism in the same sentence. It, it makes no fucking sense at all. You literally, you, you cannot have both of those things. Like the whole idea behind the markets is that you're supposed to let the markets do it. The second you add any authoritarian bent at all, right? It completely destroys the whole system. It, like, it's, the, it's one of the ways that you can knock our current system. There is already too much authoritarianism uh, in our capitalism soup. Anyway, sorry, go on guys. Yeah, no, I mean, the right word for that is kleptocracy, right? It's not really, because it's not a free market. It's the government owns, or it's business owns the government. Well, I'm, I, I think I'm, owning business. I think I'm like a fair bit uh, further left than either of you guys, but in the interest of uh, sort of keeping it on, on focus, 
I think that um, even for uh, a fairly like coming from a left perspective, I think that the central arguments that you're using to get to a place criticizing capitalism are fundamentally incompatible with uh, uh, such a revocation of like uh, individual liberties that you would see under like a strong authoritarian system. Um, it, it just doesn't seem to me to, uh, uh, to work together. So like at when, at the point that you're getting to the place of being like, Oh, well, you know, maybe we need a kind of Stalinist state to get to communism at that point. It's kind of like, well, hold on. Your whole point was like this moral system and like capitalism is immoral and it's, you know, quashing people's rights. So you can't just turn around and quash people's rights to get rid of that. that you've defeated the whole purpose. There's right. Well, that's some else. of the. I mean, there's 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 internal disagreements, different kinds of communists about. What, yeah, of course. They, yeah, right. But so that's not, that's know, where, as a gestalt, in in large groups, that's ultimately where it seems to most likely end up, right? And again, like large large groups in a supposedly capitalist society, where you know pressure is put on one group that is really 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 excited about keeping their racist superiority, um, we see the same kind of authoritarian fascism, right? Like like it's basically like. We know that the current order has been benefiting us for so long that we're kind of willing to do basically anything um, to, to dig in our heels. Well, I should have I should have known that talking about the news it would, would get us off topic. AJ, would you like to tell us a little about what's new with your show, real fast? Uh, oh my <laughs> sure, god! But, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, but don't... I do have something to say about the news itself and how you're framing things because I want to make a very careful distinction that I have recognized I feel like I'm forced to make when it comes to people who still support Trump. You have the leaders of those movements who are really good at playing politics but are utilizing it for nefarious reasons and maintaining their own power no matter what cost. And those are the types of people that you're referring to, Rio. But we can't classify that as the everyday average Joe Republican who is voting in favor of Trump because they just see it as the conservative thing to do, even though he's not conservative, they're just towing the party line. And so how you address each camp and how you assess messaging is to me what you need to do to enact any pragmatic progression. I don't care what it's about. And that leads into what's up with the show. But that distinction yeah. with Trumpus is a good way to illustrate how you're changing your messaging. As long as you're keeping your core argument and your principles, you could sell a position, for example, uh, student loan debt forgiveness in a prior episode was approached in a way of why it makes sense from a left-wing perspective and more of a conservative wing, well, conservative perspective. Misspoke there, but got the general point. So in terms of why I brought on a co-host, Cody was someone who had been helping me out within the background a lot. Uh, he and I would hammer out various research together uh, we'd hash out phrasing, we would argue about what would be the best wording in bringing up things, how things would flow. Yeah, how and to present was, stuff. Yeah, so when I saw that he was doing it on such a consistent basis, and I also had gotten the feedback prior that I needed a co-host to have a good dynamic with, like a back and forth to stop the rambling, but also enable for there to be more dialogue. And I also found... I enjoy podcasts more often when there are two people because it is two differing places of thought that makes things more cohesive and streamlined. So I thought I should model off of the things I specifically enjoy while also confiding in the one person who I knew for a fact I'd want to have as a co-host as well. 
and luckily he agreed. The additional benefit is we both are able to work independently half the time officially, so we can fit it in our schedules a lot more. And now we're able to have more consistent episodes and upgrade various aspects of the show in an easier route. Uh, so that made it a no brainer to me. And I, I've started editing the, the show as well to try to like uh, get some nice crispy audio quality and stuff like that. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm super happy to be on the show and I think it's definitely a case of uh, uh, two heads are better than one. And uh, I think the, uh, the episodes that we've done so far have been, uh, they've been pretty cool. Right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I want to riff on what you said, AJ, about different kinds of Trump supporters. Cause I completely agree with you. Yeah. My friend Matt, you know, is uh, pretty much American aristocracy. He's about as fancy as you can get. He's definitely part of the elite in that group and a real and Tucker Carlson very... type. <laughs> it goes by Mataus. <laughs> Okay. No, like this guy, this guy, I, I know him because we went to, to fancy private school together. Um, but like, and, and uh, we're, we're friends because we bonded over the fact that we were both LGBTI in a Christian private school. So there's a lot of oh, that wow. there. He's practically family. But that said, um, you know, he is very conscious. And so you're right, AJ, that's one kind of Trump supporter. It's, I, we could call them the, the elites of the alt-right. And these people know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. He even used the phrase blood and soil on our podcast. He knows exactly what they're, wow. you know, they know exactly what they're doing. Then there are, um, two, actually, I would, I would argue two other kinds of Trump supporters, not one, at least two. I'm sure that you could break it down in, into further details, of course. But the two other major categories, now it's important to note the elites would be the smallest category of that, but also the ones who are going to benefit the most from it, right? And that's what I meant by smart, Corey, like smart and evil. There's, you can't be smart and good and support Trump. You have to be evil if you're smart. I guess the, the thing with that, the reason why I'm never going to drop the dime store Republican thing is because that's all he is. Like, because, like if, you can, if you string a bunch of words together and then start fucking talking like an actual Nazi and then joking about how that's kind of funny um, and then call me a baby killer, go fuck yourself. You're not smart. Yeah, well, I, right? I, like, I didn't expect you guys to get along. <laughs> where's the, but like, honestly, not just about getting along. Like, where's the intellectual processing power in just being a propaganda parrot? Well, hold, hold, on, I, hold on, hold on. I just fundamentally yeah, disagree I think with you. Hold, 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 hold on. So this actually touches on something really important. And I came across this a lot over the years. But there are a couple things going on at once with that scenario. Number one, those types of people are utilizing your decency against you. And that goes back into what is needed for necessary platforming and why Rogan is doing that wrong. You can have on an alt-right person, but if you're doing it the way David Pakman does, for example, where he lays into them and talks about why what they're doing is inherently wrong instead of just letting them ramble without pushback and saying interesting, a lot of times I think people who want change for the better in this scenario – need to outline exactly what logical fallacies are being used and where. And I have the benefit at this point of recognizing that I don't have all of them memorized, but I have enough where I know, okay, they're doing this right now. And because I know specifically what they're doing, I could target it a specific way. But we're so focused on the policies that we're over here in a corner. And all of a sudden, these people who are utilizing politics for power are taking advantage of the fact that we're 
talking about specific policies while letting them go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So a a AJ, um, I wanted to finish listing the other two types, but you're absolutely right. That's what, that's what Matt thought he was doing coming on the podcast. But I don't know if you listened to that one, but that is, you'll be happy to know that is not what happened. Because oh, I believe not, that. Yeah. Cause not only did Corey, we, Corey and I good cop, bad cop him. That's what we did actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what AJ is saying is that the good cop and undermine everything bullshit. he's saying. Right, because he thought I he thought I was his friend. Well, I am his friend, right? And he also knows that I disagree with him about this stuff, right? He knows that I don't like Trump precisely because I consider Trump to be a fake conservative and a betrayal of a, of my actual values, right? So, like, I it, I didn't trick him, you know. I wouldn't do that because I would consider that unethical. But what we did is Corey jumped on him like a rabid dog, and I calmed them both down. And then I explained in my words why I think Matt was full of shit from a conservative perspective. So we really did push back. Um, no, now, the I other believe two that. Types of, Honestly, oh, yeah, the, the other two types of conservative. I'm sorry. The other two types of Trump supporters um, would be yes, you're right. The the kind who are just kind of voting party line, right? And that is actually a lot of them. It, it's it's. I think that number is shrinking. You think that, that number is 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 shrinking? I've because I have a I have a few Republican friends who they were they tend to either be not super political or like just sort of brush the surface and they generally tend to be more you know the sort of principled religious conservatives mm -hmm. uh, not quite evangelical and both of them voted for trump and of course i was not i was very unhappy with this but um i've been trying to get a feel for how they felt about trump and one of them is not voting for Trump at all. The other one, I can't really get a feel, and I, I don't know if he's, a gonna, he's ever going to really tell me whether or not he's going to vote for Trump this election. That but I'm very is. curious I, if you... I think that kind of sums it up, though, right? Like, do I think that 50% of Republicans won't vote for Trump? No, like, that, that's, that's too high, right? But yeah. do I think that, you know, there could be 10 or 15% of, uh, uh, um, you know, suburban Republicans that are like, wait, what did we do? I think it's really likely. Yeah, no, that's, that's okay. a, th thank you, Corey. That's where I was going. And I, I, I still haven't gotten to the third type yet, but that's okay. We're having a conversation. We've got this <laughs> our first time having two guests on at once. We're doing a really good job not talking over each other. I'm, I'm super well, you guys are. pat each other on the back. I'm going to rant like a crazy psycho. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm basically Canadian honey badger at this point. That's kind of where I'm at. If you go too far, I'll, I'll interrupt on purpose and just say. Yeah, I'm well, every time you, right you do, you just reiterate what I was thinking, but like smarty pants version. And I like that. I think that's really well, good. So, and I also want to, well, I want to answer Cody's question, which Corey just answered. And I agree with your answer, Corey. You okay. know, I mean, obviously I think most Republicans are still going like, most partisans are still going to be partisan that is, we it, it, it appears that we're in such a polarized partisan time right now that it doesn't matter i mean if it was you know uh you know satan himself running on the republican ticket most republicans would still vote for them no matter what and and i honestly think a lot of democrats are not to as honest with themselves about how partisan they are and how what how how far they would go to vote for a democrat um, not, I'm not saying that it's the same level, Corey. I'm not saying that. No, okay. but a soft false equivalence <laughs> is right around where we want to sit on this podcast. I actually but don't know the extent it's a false equivalence. I think it depends who you're talking to within the Democratic Party because a lot of Democratic Party loyalists seem to misconstrue any criticism. This is where I think there are some people who are along the same line within the mm -hmm. party, but it's not as broad of a tent as Rio could seemingly make it out to be, at least with his wording choices even though I don't think that's what he's saying. But the point is, if you are making someone inherently above criticism because they're a part of your specific tribe, 
that is the definition of partisanship and I don't care how it manifests itself. So for example, one thing that I love about you guys is, okay, you guys supported Yang. He was not above reproach. He was not this godly figure and he wasn't your version of a cult of personality. But there were still people who are among that movement who did make it as such. And I would say that is similar to the same lines. Does it mean Democrats are Republicans? No, but it does mean that tribalism is something among the Democratic Party that you have to deal with on a foundational level when you're talking about tribalists specifically, especially with the vitriol towards Republicans, but also uh, the political divide that social implications enable to happen on a deeper scale. Yeah, AJ, thank you for that. No, I, I mean, that, I'm the, I, I mean, the thing we have to keep in mind is that there's a difference between um, the kind of partisanship we're discussing right now, which is like you just kind of automatically, instinctively check the box with a D or an R next to it, right? Um, and the kind of partisanship where people say somebody is above criticism, but they are, I mean, I yeah. think it is a lot of the same, the same people who are, who are doing it. So one way to notice the difference is, I've said this on the show multiple times, if Biden were running against Mitt Romney or John McCain, it would be such an order of magnitude less important to defeat that Republican person, because then it would just be a matter of the normal politics of do we agree or disagree with their policies, right? That I think that any, any attempt to, um, to try to persuade people to be pragmatic and, and hold their punches in criticizing the Democratic candidate would be truly unjustified and it would just be stifling democratic debate, which is a healthy good thing, right? Now, the difference is we are not, he is not running against Mitt Romney or John McCain. He is running against somebody who has told us multiple times on television that he wants to be king. He wants to be president for life, who is, who is undermining democracy and the rule of law and the constitution every single day. And in a situation like that, we all need to temporarily sheathe our swords and we can still have those disagreements and we will come back to those disagreements but getting that guy out to save democracy is the first step because it can happen here and if it does happen here then all of our disagreements won't matter well y yes and no because yes i agree when it comes to people like you <laughs> but you have admitted that you are not the majority of people who identify as conservatives the problem I have with people who identify as conservatives who aren't actually principled conservatives, because then they would be among the conservative Democrat wing of the party instead of voting with Republicans historically, means that you're talking about people whose main interest is maintaining power. As evidence of the fact that most of the Republican Party statistically approves of Donald Trump and the Republican leadership who goes against Trump it's so funny because when we look at people saying, oh, well, he'll be voted out. Well, that's not true because at this point, the bare minimum to have some sort of democratic apparatus helping you out is to be a Republican against Trump. Look at, for example, Justin Amash having a lot more legitimacy in terms of the democratic wing of the party it, across all spectrum in comparison to people who yeah. are yeah, no, if, if Trump. If Trump loses, um, and unless he succeeds at cheating, which he very well might, he will, if Trump loses, people like Justin Amash and Mitt Romney will be, have positioned themselves. They're playing the, the medium-term game instead of the short-term game. That's what they're doing, right? The short-term game is the cynical thing of, I need to save my job. 
and Trump's populist mob likes this guy. So even if I don't like him, I need to pretend to like him so that I don't get voted out in a primary, right? That's the short-term game. The medium-term game is I'm going to stand up to Trump now. And even if it means that, you know, I take a lot of flack from the toddler in chief for in the meantime, um, in the long term, I'm going to be set up as one of the people who can help to put the pieces of the party back together again after this civil war within the party ends is, is kind of where they're coming from. But that 30 something percent base of Trump that's unshakable doesn't just go away because there's a new Republican. And so I believe that Republican, the Republican Party as a whole couldn't go back to that because of how it, that movement has been corrupted. And if you look at people who identify with the alt-right, they mentioned that this was the time they could be the most open. You don't put that Pandora's box back into the box. The damage well, has already actually, been done. You know, you know what's really interesting? They, I'm sure they said the same thing after uh, uh, George Wallace. They did. They just got assholes that could say the loud parts quietly. Like Reagan, for example. Right? Just as racist, just as Southern strategy, but held up as like a mythical savior by my co-host. Uh, like it, and it it's important real. to so, know that there's I, a difference between dog whistling to people cynically in order to get them to vote against their, against their interest on the one hand, and just handing the reins of the party off to the most horrible people in the country. There oh, is so another level of super, super nuance. So basically like yeah. instead of having people wear Nazi shirts, you just say Nazi slogans, and then that way, the normal liberal order for the elite can keep going. I, so, I get that that's the actual <laughs> position, and, and like I'm like 1% sympathetic to it. Because you're right, like, like you, the statement you just made, to be fair, was one of them is better. And I think you're right, one of them is better. But it's fucking not that much better. And quite frankly, the entire reason why we have Trump right now is because of 50 years of assholes dog whistling. Let's get Cody's yeah. perspective. Yeah, no. I was going hey, to. I was, thank I was you, gonna... AJ. <laughs> fucking managing me on my own podcast because I do no. need it. It's a totally I was, fair, fair. I was going to expand on that on that point, Corey, which is right, which is just that. It's this has been a concerted effort. So in the case of sort of George Wallace and you know putting that the putting it you know closing Pandora's box. Um, I think Corey is exactly right in that it, it wasn't so much closed as it was um, uh, prettied up, so to speak, and that the fact that we have Trump now is as the result of sort of, and I, I don't know if it was like, if the whole party was kind of like, yes, we're going to stoke racial tensions and go hard on this. I think that it was a, if anything, a convenient uh, way to get elected. And if you're in power, you want to continue to be in power. The issue with that is that when you lay the bed, uh, so to speak, with, with so much focused on this kind of uh, racial animus, you end up at a place which is, it, it seems very hard to get away from that kind of fascistic thing. Uh, like in the way, you know, in the, you know, just the kind of uh, uh, endorsement of white nationalism with, uh, with people like Wallace who, he was, uh, I, I think he was very outspoken about it, but then, you know, it comes back around. And this is, if this is what Republicans have really been running on and shaping the party, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying necessarily that this was like a, an evil mastermind ploy to get all the racists to be Republicans. I think it's far more likely that this was, um, you know, this is the way forward in terms of were, electoral politics, but yeah. this is where that gets you. Right. Here, here's the they difference. Were, they There's were who difference. was left. Right. Wait. Like that ultimately that's like when you're looking at the electorate, 
that's that's what they had to play with. I do want to say shorter version of what Cody just said: play stupid games. Get wait, 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 wait. I agree for the most part with what you guys are saying, but the fundamental difference in terms of they utilize democracy to stoke racial tensions, and I think it's abhorrent and isn't called out enough and shouldn't be given as much legitimacy or hailed as a saint act. But they did do it under the the guides of the democratic republic that we currently have. Now, did they stifle votes, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother thing. But Trump is actively trying to undermine the entire system yeah. of democracy. And that's the difference. But that's why I don't like saying we need to wait until Trump is out. Because even if you're a part of, let's say, the Reagan Republicans, if you are still outright helping fascism based on your votes and how you're speaking out against, how can I trust you to even remotely try and enact some sort of principled reform in an opposition party? Okay, yeah, this is a good time for me to jump back in because AJ um, started hinting at what was going to be my third type of Trump supporter. So we've talked about the first two, which is the elite, which is the tiniest percentage, and they're the ones who are the most informed and are actively trying to destroy democracy and bring about uh, what they consider authoritarian capitalism. The the Milo's, basically. Yeah, exactly. Those people. My my friend is exactly like Milo. He's basically just a less famous Milo. Um, Wait, is he a dime store Milo? (laughs) (laughs) i i wouldn't use the word dime store for any kind of elite but okay no here's the thing there's a reason why i do and it's because it works he he, he's a tesla driving milo who gets botox and all that shit right okay um yeah what i said yeah which is also redundant i'm sure milo does all that same shit all right no okay so that's one type the other type of that we've we've already talked about quite a bit in a a back and forward round table style which i really like how that turned out um, is just partisans who are just kind of in the habit of voting Republican. They may or may not even pay that much attention to the news. They're ordinarily, if they, to the extent that they do pay attention to the news, they're really just looking for permission to keep voting Republican, right? And so those are the people, these are the ones you can usually recognize them because they use whataboutism. Instead of arguing mm-hmm. that there's nothing wrong with Trump, right? Feature not a bug. These are the ones who say like, well, but what about her emails, right? That's this the, is my friend is, to a T. Yeah, yeah. Well, what aboutism means they're just looking for an excuse to keep voting Republican and being partisan. Then the third type, and this is the type that AJ hinted at, that's the 30% that actually got him the domination of the private. Okay? Those people are um, actual racists. Um, and, and not that there can't be some racists in the other categories too, but these people are, you know, they're, they're, they're the people who fly the Confederate flag. They're the people who go to Klan rallies and hold up Trump signs. They're the people who, who fly the swastika. They are white working class racist scumbags who don't like, they resent the fact that women and black people and LGBT people are more successful than them because it proves that it's possible to move up in our society if you're smart and work hard. And they think that any t- anytime that somebody who doesn't look like them succeeds, it makes it harder for them to succeed. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who helped Trump win the primary in a wide field. And I, I'm gonna tell you, if, 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 um, if the Democratic Party hadn't learned a lesson from this, they would have allowed Sanders to run away with the primary with a minority of the vote as well. But like what, what happened is he was able to get the nomination because the, the mainstream vote was divided and that 30% took him all the way. 
So those people are quite different from the, the partisan Republicans who are just looking for an excuse to vote for Trump. These are the people who see Trump's deep evil racism in a less sophisticated way than the elites do. Right? But if you're in power- But they still like, like it. They fucking like it because they're horrible people. Well, yeah, but, but that's what I'm saying. So for two things. First off, those voters are going to remain in the Republican Party. They're not going away. So you have a whole new base that, that even if you have someone like a Mitt Romney on top, the infrastructure isn't there for a Mitt Romney among the Republican Party. And I don't know how long that shift would even remotely take and what it would take. But if you aren't like that and you're still in the Republican Party, you're just doing compromise for the sake of compromise. So here's the thing. There's a difference between the conservative wing of the Democratic Party and their progressive wing of the Democratic Party compromising because normally it results in some sort of mild reform in some way. But if you're compromising with fascism and you are not fascism you're getting half fascism compromise isn't good just because it's compromise it's what are you specifically compromising with so that's why if you really want to have people start from the beginning you need real publican to be republicans but i don't see how that's happening with the base still yeah. there and the people in power still there so how do you deal with that i mean I, I i'm sorry i don't mean to dominate the conversation but i feel like that has to be a question directed at me it, it is <laughs> yeah well it, honestly it is. i want to hear your answer to this because again like i would i would yeah. love for for the new republican party to be fucking joe walsh the lincoln project and, and real republican right like yeah, I, yeah like i would pay yep. all of my money for that exactly i don't agree believe more. that it will ever happen because of the faustian bargain that they've made over the last 75 years it's yeah. it's like the question of how to. And I, and I uh, like, hope I'm wrong. Like I because like what do I know? Right. Sorry, Cody. Go ahead. Yeah. No. So no. I I am also very curious. So like Rio. I, like what are your thoughts on? I, I guess to put it in a in a rather crass way, how to defascist the Republican Party. Okay. So there are at least two different kinds of conservatism that in a philosophical um, tradition of modern conservatism, there's common good conservatism, which is in sort of the Burkean tradition. And those are collectivist. Um, they, they tend toward nationalism and nativism. And that's, that's the part that's, come, that's becoming fascist. And you might not think that they really are standing up for the common good, but that's the way they see themselves, right? And then there is a more of an individualist libertarian with a small L side of conservatism. And that's more of the Milton Friedman tradition. Um, yeah. That's the one that I come from. That was always a minority position in both parties in the United States but we managed to maintain control of both parties for most of my adult life until Trump by very clever um, political tactics, which I never supported. Um, the Southern strategy being one of them, right? Right, so we, we're, all, we're, all on, we're all on the same page there, right? I always preferred the, I, I prefer the honest effort of just persuading people I of mean, my worldview rather than tricking them, personally. One, one of us voted with them. And one of the, Corey, I'm like, dude, are you just trying to piss me off? <laughs> dude, no. Is it, am I wrong? I mean, like, let's not go there right now. Okay. Like, okay. All right. But no, we're going to be a show where we actually push back on stuff, right? So did you or did you not vote with the party that was using the Southern strategy for any fucking reason? I've actually been a, I'm, I'm, I'm um, also a conservative uh, in like the Andrew Sullivan, David Frum tradition of I actually believe that the best way to defend your values is to be a swing voter in our two-party system. And so like, I, I will actually vote for somebody like Obama, for example, because I think it's important to reward the Democratic Party for remaining centrist, it's center-right and conservative. Um, 
and and I will I will not vote for a Republican like Trump for the same reason because I think it's important to punish the party for being too radical, right? Which is what I consider the real opposite of conservative. So, I have I I have I've the, the most of the I would I would venture to say that if not all most of the Republicans I voted for in my lifetime are pretty much indistinguishable from what you would consider conservative Democrats, and they um, they tend to be like like blue state Republicans and so forth. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually, I mean, an older millennial, so I'm not really that old enough to have voted for president that many times. <laughs> so just let's, let's leave it at that for now. Okay, that, that said, um, to answer your question, you're all right. Um, the, 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 the layout of the electoral college, uh, we actually had a whole episode about this topic called the great divide. Um, so if our listeners haven't, or I'm sorry, no, the great realignment, I was confusing it with the real divide, which is also a great episode of ours. The great realignment, we were talking about the way that the coalitions of both parties are shifting. And in that, in that episode, I made the argument that one of two things is going to happen. Either um, the Trump is going to lose and the Milton Friedman individualist wing of the Republican Party will become ascendant again temporarily. Um, and it'll last for however long it can maintain power. Or Trump will get reelected, and the, the GOP will basically be permanently a um, a, a national socialist um, fascist party. That's Hold what's on. going to happen. Hold so on. just just to clarify, you think that um, basically the Republicans have uh, essentially two paths forward. One is to reject Trump, so basically take an electoral loss, mm-hmm. and then sort of recoup. And the bigger, the better. Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, like, hey, buddy, you don't need to sell me on that. Well, no, and honestly, like, people like from the people that that you know, Rio, and I know he does follow you, and though I'm busting his balls today, and probably not going to stop. But to his credit, like, they they're the ones actually calling, like George Will, for fuck's sake. George Will is saying the Republican Party needs to get slaughtered in this next election for exactly this reason. Sorry, Cody, yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I was just wanting to uh, uh, to make sure I that I was getting it right. Wait, that, please There's finish something... your interjection. No, I just I just wanted to uh, uh, to make sure I was sort of getting that right because it, it, to me it seemed that that's if there's a way forward for the Republican Party, it's to lose badly enough that this wing of the party is no longer seen as viable. Yes. But I I didn't know how much like it, to see that a Republican agrees is like that's okay that's good and you're right that like people like Andrew Sullivan or uh, uh, David Frum or oh my God who's the the the, the husband of um, the the George Conway. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> well, a- anyone from the Lincoln Project, right? I mean, those yeah, those much. guys. I, like, I want to literally buy them beers every day. Like, the, at this point, there are actually multiple well-organized, well-funded organizations of Republicans against Trump. Yeah. The Lincoln Project is just one of them. Yeah. And I, called Re- yeah, Republican but, voters against Trump. There's one called Republicans for the Rule of Law, which is yeah. also against Trump for obvious reasons, right? I remember them from 2016. I, I want to, I'll, I'll let you go in a sec, AJ. I just want to okay. very quickly talk to um, progressives who, and especially young progressives, who look at the shit that the Lincoln Project puts out or that uh, Republicans for rule of law, they're kind of uh, boomery commercials. And they look at them and they cringe and they say, ah, more neoliberalism. Uh. Guys, I'm talking to you right now. This shit sells so well with boomers. I know a lot of boomers. They're all in my parents' generation. And I talk to them and I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of them. I'm not really like somebody who's like, oh yeah, way to go, Lincoln Project. I think, I, I think what they're doing is very commendable. But I think it's especially commendable because of 
how impactful it is among the voters who really make a big difference there. And, you know, as cringy as it is, let them do their thing, guys. Like, like, like if, if <laughs> this is a coalition building moment, don't, don't throw Andrew Sullivan out, you know, don't, don't throw the boy baby out with the, the bathwater there, I think. Because I've, I've seen a little bit of criticism of them. And again, as an avowed fan, even though I'm not a boomer, maybe I'm far too close for there to be really any <laughs> distinction. Um, but it, it's, it's important to understand. You're absolutely right, Cody. Like it, the audience are people that story progressives actually fucking vote right um so you know we we uh, well we as progressives and young progressives we talk a big game um and don't put out when it comes to actually voting right so th- that's part of it but i think the most cringeworthy ones and I, like they did one on his health and they've done you know a couple where i was like you know i think i would be sympathetic to people cringing at those but you have to understand there is only one audience for those ads and it's Donald Trump. Like, they're, they're joking every day about living rent-free in this motherfucker's head. Okay. And it works, right? Like, they're, they're basically, like, completely and totally doing it. They're not going to swing states and airing the ad about him being weak, although they could, and it would probably work over. They're literally just airing them in D.C. In D.C., yeah. Right? There like are and things, that is though. genius. Welcome to politics. It sucks, and it's full of dummies, but that shit works. Okay, wait, 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 wait. There are a few things that I need to say about this. Number one, I agree with Cody specifically because, I mean, not just he's my co-host, but it's one of the main reasons why he is, because he recognizes the importance of coalition building from the left perspective, because politics is for power. It's not about whatever the hell you want to say within that specific moment, and we need to obtain power to enact the progressive reform we want, hence pragmatic progressivism. Number two, though... The Lincoln Project is a form of shifting the Overton window in a way that enables for things to happen in the way we want it to. But there's a really important distinction because under what Rio is saying, the implication is it's not Trump losing badly. It's Trump in addition to everyone who voted alongside him in even a mild way and compromising with fascism needs to go away. And then you need to do it again in 2022 and by that, I mean, you need to have all Lincoln projects primarying remotely Trump Republicans and winning across the board for that to happen. Because if you don't go from that perspective, all you're doing is you're letting people who compromise with fascism be a part of your tent, when in reality, they don't share the interests that people who are in good faith, like Rio and the Lincoln Project, are. So you need to have Trump ism lose in the presidential but you need a purge that lasts for a while and i don't know how that could happen hence why i don't see i see the republicans as too far gone but not conservatives as too far gone and that's the important distinction that yeah i made. let me let me um, address that i i agree with everything that you just said um it, it's going the le- of the two possible outcomes that i described where the republican party become is again in the hands of my wing of the party right or where it just triples down on on fascism i consider the latter far more likely um but i actually have a light at the end of the tunnel for both scenarios so let me make you feel a little better about it um so in 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 the case of my my wing of the party taking back over what will have to happen okay 
what will have to happen is that the Trump base, the, the 30% that we were talking about, has to be so defeated and so demoralized and so dejected and, and treated like um, pariahs by the rest of the party to such an extent that they just go back back under the underground and they may continue you know voting for the party but they're not going to have any influence anymore um and for that to happen the the, the, the everybody that they love all of the populist candidates against the establishment all of those people have to be have to be out they have to lose um i don't consider that terribly likely um but it, it, it's possible because Trump is so awful. It's possible we could hold that out just long enough for this to happen. And this is what actually has to happen for the Republican Party to stay in the hands of my wing. We have to pivot away from the deindustrializing flyover states in our electoral strategy. And we have to pivot toward being able to win more on the coasts. We have to pivot toward being able to win more in like California and New York. And the way we do that is by embracing social um, so more socially progressive policies, because that's where the majority of people in those places are. And, and creating what I would consider a coalition, a truly classically liberal coalition of people who are pro individual liberty on both social and economic issues. And on, on the coasts is actually where the money's being made in the information economy, right? Right now, we, right now the Republican Party has this ridiculous, it's this ridiculous, it's an oxymoron because it's supposed to be the party of capitalism and free enterprise and business, but their reliance upon the most poor, uneducated parts of the country that are not actually producing it in order to win. Um, but hold one, on. One move, one move would absolutely force the Republican Party to become that in a split second, destroy the electoral college. Yeah, I see. I, I mean, that would I mean, like, I mean, it, we can talk. The, the we, Republican we Party episode. would never have power again, ever, unless they became exactly what you're proposing. Well, well I mean, OK, what, so I, I actually <laughs> like that. But I mean, I mean, I don't I'm not going to take a position on the Electoral College for the purposes of this argument. I'm genuinely agnostic about that. But what, what I what I will say is that um, realistically speaking, that's not going to happen in the near future, right? And so in the meantime, the strategy needs to be, they need to, like, if you think about it, they're, they're, the people who are making the most money and paying the most taxes and the businesses that are the most successful in this country are all in blue states. And so it's quite possible that um, if, um, if the Republican Party stops alienating them by pandering to white working class bigots in the middle of the country, and they, they embrace more what we would call socially progressive policies, um, then they are, we're gonna do better as a party um, on the coast. And I think that places like uh, Texas, which we're in the process of turning purple right now, would probably stay with the Republicans through that, but they would lose a lot of the little flyover states in the, in the process. And that's, well, that's a big ask though. I think we can but, all agree that's on. likely There's, there's a off. big glaring sh weakness to that strategy, which I understand why you say what you say but that's the definition of blue dog democrats that are within that same state who already have the power infrastructure and are establishing that same point so so it, it's it i was actually going to make a very similar point to this it's worth noting that there is actually a fairly strong republican infrastructure in a lot of these states new york until very recently was dominated by republicans in the state legislature because of their infrastructure there it's it's mostly in so in a lot of cases it's the the national the way that we vote nationally uh, makes a blue state seem much more blue than it actually is because like new york all of western new york 
is is they tend to be fairly conservative. The same thing is true of Western Massachusetts and uh, Pennsylvania outside of like Pittsburgh and uh, uh, Philly. So so I, I think in in one way, like what Corey was saying, this it, I'm not sure that it would it would it would definitely mean that the Republicans would start to lose some states that they had previously won, but at the same time votes from like uh, uh, New York and from uh, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, uh, even California that they previously would not have had counted before. But my question to you, Rio, is um, how do you see this sort of new Republican Party differing from the Democratic Party? Is this sort of assuming that there's a... Specifically the Blue Dogs. Specifically yeah. the Blue Dogs. Yes. Like, yeah, do no, you, do actually, you envision that's a really the Democrats question. moving no, that's like, a, more that's progressively? That's a really good question. Right. No, that's a really good question because that was going to be my point is like, okay, so if that happens, then the Democratic Party would naturally become more of a progressive party. It would actually be less conservative because more conservative Democrats would be attracted by the Republicans, right? The votes are coming from somewhere. You see what I'm saying? So it wouldn't just be that they're relying on rural votes in California and New York, which is what they're doing now. It would be they'd start winning urban areas in California and New York and urban areas in, across the country in general, actually, because it's mostly the social issues that turn off in the cities against the party right now, right? Um, now, I consider all of that possible, but um, not the most likely outcome. Um, and the reason for that is because can persuading a whole bunch of partisans to, sh to switch parties is hard, right? Um, the most likely outcome is even if Trump loses, my side of the Republican Party eventually does lose um, in the long term or even the medium term. And if that happens, then what's going to happen is everybody like me in the Republican Party is going to become a Democrat because we all know that third parties are a waste of both. And then we're going to work with the conservatives who are already in the Democratic Party to turn the Democrats into the new right-wing party. And the GOP will actually become the new left-wing party. It'll be the party of the disaffected working-class whites in the middle of the country and of anybody who's progressive on the coast as well. That's what I consider to be the more likely outcome. Why do you think I, that – why do you see the, the progressive uh, shift into Republican – uh, is is this sort of born out of of seeing? Uh, well, I guess it depends. Guess. On, I'm sorry. Let me let me. I misspoke. It depends on what you mean by progressive. I don't necessarily mean progressives like you guys. I think you guys would probably stay in the Democratic Party. And what would happen is people like me and people like you would would work together as a coalition and compromise with each other in order to in order to make progress within the. The, spec the liberal spectrum of the Overton window, but illiberal far left people who I actually personally wouldn't consider progressive, but who some of them of whom call themselves progressive, um, those people would would be joining the illiberal alt right. Um, basically, the they, Trumpists they, who voted for Bernie. I don't yeah, see that. What, that. I mean, like that that sort of person, or or people who are so hostile to liberalism that it's it's impossible to tell them apart from a Trump voter. I, I don't see that <laughs> happening though. I, I think why. that there's there's too much of a of a it's it, like uh, I, I think this could actually sort of uh, help direct maybe if there's a disagreement here. Um, do you subscribe to and I don't want to say horseshoe theory is in like the whole sort of horseshoe theory, but uh, at least with the sort of recent populist, uh, uh, I guess, sort of bent in the U.S. Do you think that that um, both the right wing and the left wing sort of populism is coming from a similar place? No, I, 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 okay. I, um, how do I put this? I actually, there aren't very many political spectrum models that I like. Um, I think they all have uses, but models have inherent limitations, you know? So like, for example, looking at the spectrum as left and right on a straight line is useful sometimes, but it's also 
deeply confusing because it overlooks the fact that you have you know people who love social security and medicare but who hate gays what does that even mean um so that spectrum already doesn't really make sense and then when you turn it into a horseshoe I, I get the point that that model is trying to convey, and I think it's true to whatever extent it is true, but it is also an oversimplification of, an, of, of, of essentially the same spectrum. Um, so there's, there's there, I, and I, I don't even like the political access model because I think that it is, um, it makes the intellectual error of assuming that because something is, theor uh, of an ideology is theoretically, con con it's possible to conceive of an ideology theoretically that it has any practical implication of reality. Um, and that's not necessarily the case. So I, 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 the model that I prefer um, is one that I actually created myself, <laughs> shock and awe. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, on, it's on our website um, in a blog post about the real divide. Um, and it's a circle, right? And I see the top half of the circle is liberal and the bottom half of the circle as illiberal. And in both the top and bottom half, there are, there are, there's a spectrum of, of ideas. And I would put things like fascism and communism both in the illiberal bottom half, not because they're the same, but because they're both not liberal. Um, that's, 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 that's the way that I conceive it. And then I would put what you guys would consider pragmatic progressivism in the top half and the liberal top half of the circle um, and my style of conservatism. I actually think that conservatism and progressivism are not mutually exclusive. Um, I believe that most people believe in conserving certain things and progressing beyond certain things. And where the debate should be is about what should we conserve and where should we progress. That's, that's the, the conversation that I think is productive and worth having. But I would just add that I think it needs to stay within the liberal spectrum um, simply because I, I, I believe that liberalism is right. Um, and that anything that's hostile to it is only going to make things worse, regardless of their intentions. So that's the long answer. Okay, so just to answer your question as to why I personally don't see that specific alignment happening, and then Cody can give his point on it. Uh, people who are among the progressive wing of the party, the people who voted for Trump, are not the majority of the progressives. Because realistically compromising with the conservative wing of the democratic party in the way that you're suggesting the only way that could realistically happen is if there's a massive shift in how conservative democrats are compromising with the progressive wing of the party because here's the thing i'm okay with actually compromising but what you do see historically is conservative democrats outright dismissing any form of proposal identified from the progressive wing of the democratic party and if that trend continued with that, then there isn't really necessarily any sort of compromise to be had. But wouldn't but, that just increase the odds that they would flee to the other party? Then? No, because the thing is, Trumpists don't land on the same economic goals that progressives do. In any oh, way, yeah, no, I, I get here, here, here. You're gonna you're gonna like this, AJ. So again, I'm not talking. I mean, part of what part of what's confusing is we're using the word progressive to describe two wildly different sets of beliefs, right? One set of beliefs is that we want something like social democracy, right? Which which I'm willing to compromise with, and in fact, technically, we already have a social democracy. And there are people who want you know to to build up the social safety net and make it more robust and so forth. That's something that I'm willing to compromise on as long as we don't do away with, you know, the right to own private capital and other things that I value in the process. 
Um, and then on the other hand, you have people who say like, nope, that's just incrementalism. That's just going to help capitalism stay strong. UBI is too good for capitalism, right? Those people, they are, they're not going to be part of the democratic coalition long-term if indeed the, the Trumpist wing of the GOP succeeds. They're going to have to go to that party. Because I, I'm telling you, like you, you just said yourself, you have a hard enough time, even as like just a center left, like moderate progressive, you already have a hard enough time compromising with conservatives in the Democratic Party. How hard do you think it's going to be when every single conservative like me is, is now part of that party? I not significantly different because you are, I, or at least in my mind, because I think you already share very many uh, sort of base ideological similarities with like, uh, say somebody like Chuck Schumer. I think that you would disagree on uh, some stuff, but like Chuck Unlike Schumer. the rule of law and the constitution well, and democracy. So yeah. I got I to break it because honestly. <laughs> Things having, we used to take for granted, God damn I know, it. shit we shouldn't have to say, but 2020 <laughs> is just that kind of thing for this whole last four years. Um, I would much rather be in a situation where I had to make consensus policy with Rio, who I still want to kick in the dick right now, but I'm going to get over that. That's on me. But like for real, like the, I would, I would much rather have him to work with than Chuck Schumer because Chuck Schumer is entirely ingrained in an excessively, extremely narrow Overton window that's been defined oh. by the decades that he's, he's been, you know, making policy. So there's some things that yeah. just like, oh, the left wants this. He's been saying, go fuck yourself to the left for so long. Or, and again, like his yeah. way of saying it is like, oh, we can't really do that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, Corey, you're making hard. an argument for my case then, because like, yeah, honestly, you know, on some like, level it's, yeah, on it, some it, level it's actually be, just a generational thing, right? It, it I mean, could be. Really. Like, and, yeah, like, old people are not terribly open-minded. It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, as they say. Well, and like, especially in, in, in a political arena where, to AJ's point, it has been about threading the needle to accrue and maintain power far more than it's been oh, hey, why don't we do that thing where we legislate to help people and better the country, right? And there's some of that, right? Which helps maintain power, by the way. We, right, exactly. Like, we could just do the work and, and look awesome and be like the uh, freaking, you know, what's-her-face in New Zealand who's just a colossal fucking fantastic legislator, right? Yeah. And then everybody in the world wants them to, I mean, I want to just have her and her team come here and run shit for a couple of years. It'd be great. What was think, Cody saying? So uh, there's there's two things that one is uh, uh, if there were more sort of, of right wing conservatives, I think that they would get along very well with the already established conservative wing of the Democratic Party because they agree ideologically on so much stuff. Um, I mean, honestly, at this the, point, I agree more with the cons the right wing of the Democratic Party than I do with pretty much anybody else. Yeah, right? well, because I mean that and never Trump Republicans. Those are my yeah, favorite. but but there's but that's because there's been so much of this sort of seeding uh, uh, of what would be liberal values to really this very authoritarian, you know, sort of fascistic uh, uh, wing of the party. But the the sort of there's there's two kind of things that I wanted to bring on. One is negative partisanship. I'm not sure if you guys touched on this. It sounds like you might have touched on this. And like, what's the real divide? But negative partisanship right now is so strong that I think that this would make any kind of uh, political realignment like this is this is a fairly future thing like this isn't going to happen in the next I don't even think 10 years, at least until the kind of negative partisanship which drives um, American politics right now is no longer the predominant driver, which is basically just the sort of the Republicans who are always going to vote are because they're never going to vote for a Democrat and the same thing on, on the left. But that's a whole that's like you can spend hours just talking about that. 
the, the well, other no i actually agree with that that's part of the reason why i consider the trumpist wing of the gop winning and the and the democratic party moving right the most likely outcome of this the, 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 that that is because all it takes is that people who are already leaving the republican party just stay in the democrats that's all but it it's takes. a small amount and people people who are already so far left of the democratic party and so suppressed and so ignored by the party establishment are just going to be even more so so it, like that's the path of least resistance i see it may well be that the democrats sort of become larger and more centrist as a result of you know they, they want to win and so they there's this big uh, group of voters but the the at, the at least this the i think that my strongest point of contention with your notion that the sort of populists might come together mm-hmm. uh is that left-wing populism and right-wing populism are coming from very very different places which is that right-wing populism is uh and actually i so I'm not a huge fan of Nathan Robinson. In fact, I I disagree with him on a lot of stuff, but he did have some very good points to make in a recent piece that he wrote criticizing um, like Hill Rising or something, which was basically just that um, they had a similar sort of view. They think that the the populists uh, uh, outflowing right now can find uh, odd, but still bedfellows. and he disagreed with that, and I have to, I agree with Robinson on that. I don't think that they can find uh, uh, bedfellows like that because I think on the right, what the what populism is is it's that first type of uh, Trump Republican that you were talking about, Rio, where it's it's basically just lies. They're just they're using populism as a way to sort of crowbar fascism into place, and I think that's generally what we've seen with right wing populist movements. Higher Bolsonaro is doing the same thing. Uh, Duterte in the Philippines is doing the same thing. And if we go into history, uh, Mussolini and uh, uh, Hitler but, did I mean, exactly But you could thing. also name you could also name like Pol Pot and Stalin for examples of left wing populists. So I mean, like they are pretty bad. But they the 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 sort of the I would argue the the reforms that so like like the place that right wing populism is coming from is this kind of like this is we're, we we want to do this and then it's it's basically all lies. With the case of and I would agree that I, that Pol Pot is not somebody that we should seek to emulate. But in the case of Pol Pot's sort of reforms, they were target like what he was saying was at least true. So in in the right wing, they say, oh, we want the populace, you know, we, we need to shut down the border and protectionism for the people, when in fact, that's okay. never going yeah. to work. Yeah. But for yeah. Pol Pot, he's saying, oh, we have to do this for the people. And then he actually goes and does the thing that he's saying with the ostensible benefit for the people. And of course, it doesn't really work out that way, but it well, is at least was, ideologically yeah, consistent. No, I, 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 I follow your, di- I, I think your distinction is appropriate. And, and, and but th- here's the way I look at it. I don't consider the... I think that the way that I conceptualize what I consider right-wing values being individualist, right? Because I am not a collectivist person, right? Um, I consider common good conservatism in the Burkean tradition to be a kind of conservatism. At this point, it's really more like paleoconservative or regressive, frankly. Um, But I don't consider that right-wing economically. Um, and in fact, what we're seeing is that the alt-right actually has ideas that are significantly to the left of even Biden, right? Ideas that are to his left in terms of uh, trade, for example. Well, I, I would argue they, they claim to have ideas that are, are to the left. Well, that, okay, that these are usually ways. populism. They're oh, not yeah, populists. I'm, I'm, I'm actually agreeing with you more than you think. Okay. But here, the, the way I look at it is I think that mobs of ignorant people don't tend to have a coherent ideology. 
No. <laughs> right? And so, like, they think of themselves as opposed to socialism, but they couldn't define socialism if they had to, if their life depended on it. And you can't actually be in opposition to something you don't understand. And so and what this I suspect is, is if, if demographic shifts were to force these people to spend some time with Noam Chomsky, with the educated part of the populist movement, that might be good for them. And I actually think these disaffected people should have a voice. I just don't think it should be a cynical con man. I think it should be somebody who is, who is sincerely standing up for what's, what's in their interest. I think a lot, of, a lot of people on the left would agree with you. I don't know that I'm necessarily one of them because I, like, I, like, I, I guess at that point it starts to talk about like, how, how hard is it to like, undo indoctrination into sort of weird camps and that kind of stuff. But certainly Not there are problem. a lot of... Hey, one, yeah, thing, exactly one, thing we, one thing we missed in the, uh, the the little news section at the beginning of this is that uh, as well as using trying to get China like in public asking China to uh, uh, interfere the election, yeah, yeah uh, basically said he thinks that uh, they're totally he basically Trump gave the go ahead to actual fucking concentration camps, which is dark but i remember i was i was having a uh i interviewed a sort of a local he didn't just give the go-ahead he encouraged it yeah he said you should go do it he said you should and honestly like anybody who's been following trump for more than five and a half minutes understands it like yeah no that's entirely in line with every other thing that he's done said perfectly uh, in character and and thought right exactly so i was was talking to this uh uh, local sort of business luminary pasco county just north of uh, tampa and florida right uh, and he uh, has this company called Magical Butter, and it makes those, you know, magic butter machines so you can, you know, throw a bunch of pot in there and he's whatever, right? Big, huge, uh, uh, you know, tens of millions or hundreds of million dollar business. So, like, everybody, you know, locally just fucking, like, literally thinks that he shits golden toasters or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And sitting down with him, talking to him, I find out in that interview, and this was in 2015, that he supports Trump. And I'm like, that's interesting. So you're nowhere near as enlightened as everyone thinks you are. Um, and you know, we had this interview got it kind of got, you know, a little bit contentious just cause I was like, seriously, like how the fuck do you go from like, Oh, I'm a hippie, awesome businessman to supporting, um, a fascist piece of shit, racist asshole. Um, I was paraphrasing cause I wanted to be respectful. Six months later, I wasn't being that respectful because we were finding out that China was putting a million Uyghurs in concentration camps. He's doing a bunch of business in China. I had the, the temerity, the audacity to ask him what he thought of the Chinese government putting a million people in concentration camps while he was making tens of millions of dollars of doing business there. And he's like, well, you expect me to worry about that? I'm like, yes, motherfucker. And I blew his shit up until he blocked me because he's a cowardly piece of shit. So, okay, uh, okay. Okay, please go ahead and then on. Here's, here's the thing. I want to make two distinctions of a discussion. I'm bringing back, here's, I have two direct examples of what I think is an example of a good consensus and then I have an example that was already brought up and demonstrating why that's bad consensus. Good consensus is, I hate to say it's our conversations, but it is. When we talked about living wage and student loan debt forgiveness and the cutting of the military budget, those were things that we were able to talk about and come to a way where both sides, in air quotations, find this to be a good thing. In comparison to The Rising, where Sagar literally basically is a Trump supporter and has said some stuff that are perfectly aligned with the rhetoric of neo-Nazis 
and it's being held with the same legitimacy from Crystal Ball, which is why I have a hard time supporting her too, is if you're writing a book and saying this is what the new consensus is and you're having fucking Tucker Carlson who has aligned himself with that part of the party for a long time, that's not someone that people on the left who are principled are going to be willing to compromise with. Yeah, yeah they should not be. Yeah. Anyone anywhere who's principled, right? Like, because I don't even think it necessarily is like Tucker Carlson is. Uh, anyway, I yeah, totally no, agree I, 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 yeah, there I'm should not too... be room for white nationalism in in a compromise. You know, other I shit we all... shouldn't have to say, right? Like that's yeah. like. But you know, like, and that's in the Republicans. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I I I like your 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 point about good and bad consensus, and that's why I want to reiterate that in the the future that I outlined as the most likely one, I would want progressives like you guys and Corey and the only conservative on this podcast right now. I would want you guys to stay on my side, right? Because it is in my interest. If my goal is to prevent the illiberals from winning, right? Then I need anybody who is liberal on my side. And the way to keep you on my side is to be willing to compromise with you on policy, right? And, and um, if you don't like the word compromise, build consensus on policy, which is entirely possible. There's more than one way to be centrist. Just because you thread the needle between, you know, like you can, you can be centrist by taking the worst ideas of the, quote, far right and far left and put them together, which is what Trump does. Or you could be centrist by taking the best ideas of the center right and center left and putting them together, which is more like what Andrew Yang does, for example, right? And I, I, so I, I would like to see... I would like what I, what I think would happen in the long, long term is that you, progressives like you and conservatives like me, because we're not mutually exclusive, because the opposite of conservative is radical and the opposite of progressive is regressive, right? We could help society progress together while conserving the things that we all agree that are worth conserving, like democracy and the rule of law and the constitution and even capitalism, I think. Or even you know, the environment, I think. I think the sure. environment is, is, this is actually a, a big sort of missed opportunity for a lot of conservatives. The, uh, protecting the environment is a fundamentally conservative thing. We want to conserve the environment, protect what is ours, keep our land safe and clean. Um, so, so it is, it is kind of an odd thing that we see. And, you know, like even you see, uh, uh, like Margaret Thatcher, I think was one of the first world leaders to, to speak about like needing to combat climate change in a, in a sort of globalized way. So nuclear energy. Nixon created the EPA for climate change. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and it was because that should have been in line with that. Uh, but then the oil companies that were, uh, uh, the vast, uh, or not majority, but a huge chunk of, uh, the donation for the Republican base said go fuck yourself and so they went and did well if rio can get the blue dog democrats he's aligning with to compromise more or build more consensus i like that terminology better then i think your situation is more likely but just because your side is willing to do that blue dog democrats you would have to replace them with all of the people who are on your side yet those blue dog democrats have the democratic Democratic Honestly, I think it's already. mostly just a generational thing, and that'll take care of itself over time. Really, I do. I, 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 think that, I think that a lot of people who, who have an, a conservative inclination, um, who are older, are going to be less willing to compromise with progressives 
mainly because they just don't understand how the world works in the 21st century. They don't understand why an idea like UBI is a good way of threading the needle between left and right because they don't understand automation. They don't understand that we're in an information economy. Like Donald Trump, they think that, you know, we're still in an industrial economy. It's ridiculous, right? So there are, there are, there are red lines that I will not cross. I'm not going to compromise my belief in, in laissez-faire capitalism. That is going to stay a, a core value of mine. But fortunately, there's lots of ways to build up a more fair, and stronger safety net that is compatible with that. And in fact, preserving it is going to require doing precisely that. Otherwise, the illiberals will win. And now if we succeed in working together, what will happen is that other illiberal party will eventually liberalize, naturally, because what will happen is we'll get UBI. Suddenly capitalism will be working for them again. And then they're, going to, they're, they're, they're no longer going to be as disenchanted with the institutions because their lives will be better. If you can address institutional racism, uh then I think you have a shot to, in that sense, but that would require a lot of policies to. I, I mean, I feel like, out. I feel like the Democrats already have the black vote, like locked up, you know? I mean, I think that that, I think the democratic party is going to make that happen. And I, 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 agree I don't with know. The goal. Like, I mean, I, I, I I'm anti-racist <laughs> again, things you shouldn't have to say out loud. All right, so I, I, I want to give you guys the last word because we unfortunately we have to move on to our uh, next interview. So uh, ever get, let our listeners know where they can find your podcast. Well, for, and say first you I'll want. let Cody say the final point and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. No, no, no. You take it away, AJ. It's cool. Okay, well, uh, we have our podcast. You could find more of us at pragmaticprogressiveshow.com. It gives the updates where all our social media is, where we highlight the show. We have it on YouTube. We also have it on Spreaker. We try to get it on as many platforms as possible. So any way that we can be supported, if you like even a fraction of what we're saying, would be appreciated. Uh, I do have one more news to drop that just dropped on Twitter. Six members of the Trump campaign advanced staff in Tulsa doing logistics for Trump's rally tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, my God. I love how oh, we ended Lordy. there. If they, you know, but like, like the, the cool thing about it is they're mostly only going to infect other Trump supporters. So Sadly, that's, that's not true. No, 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 no. Here's no, no. why that's, that's not, not true. true. So they're going to go into the, the hospital. <laughs> they're going to go into the hospital and because there's no PP, uh, 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 PPE because of this fucking administration, nurses that are working 18 hours a day are going to fucking die because of well, these Well, more assholes. than that. More than they're that. Gonna overload asymptomatic individuals can still transmit it to people who would not be asymptomatic too. So we don't know how many of them would be asymptomatic and infect other people that they're That's, coming to contact yeah. with. If it was, and, if it was only going to kill Trump supporters that went to this right. thing, I wouldn't care. Like, I mean, I still kind of would because I'm a bleeding heart. But asshole, it's still mostly like, just Trump supporters. Though. Let's be I, honest. I, I mean, it's true, but also they also honestly, with the with the death penalty, we mostly kill guilty <laughs> people. But <laughs> I mean, but like, I'm not doing it. They're fucking doing it to themselves. So yeah, whatever. The, 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 one of the, the whole sentence that they're doing it to themselves is factually incorrect. Yeah. So like one of the big things is uh, like the, I think the biggest risk here is like all of the sort of like they, they might transmit it to themselves. That's like, like we, if, if we can even still write that off as it's just Republican or sorry, not just Republicans, it's just like Trumpists. Um, 
they they're still going to the hospital and they're still taking up like ventilators and stuff. So if they if they are the thing that pushes Tulsa's uh, healthcare to its limit, anybody who comes after them will uh, they no longer have access to uh, the state of the art care. So I guess in my mind, the biggest worry would be that in the midst of of Tulsa right now spiking without the the rally, now he's holding an inside rally for thousands of people without masks. So that's going to put the their healthcare system under an even bigger strain. I mean, and obviously, I, really I don't. And then they're all going to drive that, home. I obviously think that's a dumb thing to do. I do yeah. not support it. I think that the the um, that the health experts in Tulsa should have prevented him from doing it. Frankly, they should have just told him no. Um, but you know, all 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 that all that said, or, I, I I think how, how do I put this? Um, the the Trump states are going to be third world countries until our side wins and then we will bring them into the 21st century and it's unfortunate but i think you do have to sort of drag them along kicking and screaming but what we've seen with the examples of like medicare and social security once you have these things passed people like them so i i'm like maybe i 100 percent might save a lot of money as a consequence of trump's stupidity well, UBI, UBI in Alaska being another fun example, right? The second they have UBI exactly. in there, they're like, get your goddamn government hands off my UBI. Wait. Yes. Okay, I really am going to give you guys the last word, though, and then you, yes. know, you, you wrap it up. No, just, UBI is a cool thing. Check us out on pragmaticprogressiveshow.com, all the places that I already talked about. I will also say that we are, in the future, going to be not just having more discussions like this, like hopefully y'all can come on our show, but we are also going to be building our own policy platform of what is the definition nice. of pragmatic progressivism. So in the future, if someone who is a pragmatic progressive wants to run, there is a form of them being able to do so with platform budgeting, et cetera, already laid out. So that's within the future. As uh, in my new incarnation as a, a rageful honey badger, um, I would like to thank you guys, frankly, for coming on. Uh, it's it's exactly this kind of uh, uh, pragmatism and thinking about the electoral and policy outcomes of how we're you know uh, operating in the world that my anger is moving away from, which is why it's been annoying me and why I want to hide under a rock, but Rio won't let me. Uh, so thank you guys for, for everything that you're doing and for coming on the show and, uh, and being fantastic uh, and a good example. For Moving us. forward is our gumbo. Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Rio and I are so excited that the Humanity First movement is moving forward. Something you can do to help is go to movingforwardpod.com where you can find us on social media, read our blog, and support us on the Patreon. Right, Rio? Right. All right. So, by the way, hi, Corey. Do you hate me still or are we friends again? I hate fucking everyone. <laughs> and, well, and we ha- oh my god, dude, we have that in common now. While while the only while you're on, asshole on here, while you're in the top fifty percentile, you're not far up in the top fifty percentile. Oh, of is the top is that like the a top of the people full? that I, I like? If I was only gonna murder half of the people, you would not be on that half, but just okay. barely. And I'll get over it, maybe. <laughs> uh, oh. Oh, yeah. I, I aim to be in the, uh, the upper half there. 
Yeah, no, you already are. You have a fucking Vader <laughs> helmet on your like that's the like, you're yeah. You have to you actually ha- most people start there. You have to work really hard to to because like honestly, I don't get angry enough. Is sort of how I'm starting to feel about this whole situation. It's my boy Rio. Hey AJ, you've got facial hair. Nice. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny because the rest of my family hates facial hair, so they're like, "When are you going to shave that shit off?" This is this so. is the wonderful thing about masks. You can like <laughs> that, that first like week and a half Self-grow. of like. See, I can't relate to that because this is like two days growth for me. Oh, wow. I have to trim it like every day. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm high risk for COVID because apparently being bald and like having a lot of testosterone makes you high risk for COVID. That's sad. Just just inject bleach. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay he can inject uv light yeah uh, just yeah you gotta be as a be a sword swallower b get one of those long uv light rays and just shove it down yeah <laughs> it'll be fine your esophagus will be covid free yeah exactly. <laughs> right. oh shit brazil's in trouble oh yeah they are <laughs> good luck wow did Rio just leave? He's like, fuck it. I'm out. Yeah, he did. He's you out. A-holes. Oh, he probably didn't do yeah. that. All right. Peace. <laughs> See you, <man. laughs> Take it easy, Corey. That's fucking funny.